So we ask ourselves, we need to improve marketing and grow revenue. So what is your go-to source for doing that? Well, in lockdown, much of the action and the exchange happened on Slack channels, pretty much, dedicated to fostering debate and discussion that produces solutions. So some of my favorites include Mobile Dev Memo, Serial Marketers, ASO Stack, Mobile Growth Lab. Fast forward, here we are reopening. We're still engaging in these virtual communities, but we can't wait to get back to face-to-face -face networking. And we're, if you're like me, we're going to be preparing to go to a must-attend event. So we're going to talk about a must-attend event and what its bold return means for marketing professionals everywhere. And interestingly, what its motto means for the industry. My guest today, I'll call him, why not, the godfather of growth, because he is the founder of Grow.co, a community of acquisition-oriented marketing professionals and brands. He also produces content and newsletters that showcase real advice, no BS, and he's a serial marketer, serial entrepreneur rather, who just sold his latest company, making this two hits in a row. Now that is a hard act to follow. Therefore, godfather of growth and therefore Adam Lavallo, great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was very generous of you. Well, I put together the grow.co. I thought maybe not the textbook growth marketer, but you have grow.co nearly a decade ago, really before we were all thinking in the direction that, that we did eventually, you know, you had to see it coming. What was the eureka moment that sparked that? So the the whole idea of, of you know growth as a title originated this idea of growth hackers. There were a couple guys, Andrew Chen, Sean Ellis, that mm. um, popularized this notion of of growth hackers. But really, what I think they meant was that growth marketers were was a new category of job, a new title that was inherently cross-functional. And so in my job at the time, I think I had the title head of user acquisition, something like that. But our team comprised people doing media buying and SEO, which certainly you would traditionally think of as digital marketing, but also front-end developers, back-end developers, data science people thinking about LTV, people on the CRM side, affiliate, et cetera. So we had this like, internal team with a huge range of skill sets and that is what growth teams are now like i think that's the point like that's why it's a new industry title so uh, my partner and i we started seeing people like me quite frankly who were identifying themselves using this brand new job title and it, it is to some extent sort of just a, a rebrand of, of titles that existed historically, performance marketing, marketing directors, et cetera. Um, but like when you see like a new job title just kind of emerge, there, there usually is a community that emerges around it. And so we thought, okay, well, we, we, could, um, we could be a participant in that community and frankly monetize that community via conference, which is, which is ultimately what we did along the way, uh, almost simultaneously. Obviously, this whole native mobile app ecosystem emerged from nothing, right, with the iPhone. So um, that that has created this subcategory of mobile growth, which is itself massive. Um, but yeah, that that's 
I was really doing this job in-house and talking to other people in other companies that were also structured in a similar way where they also had these cross-functional teams. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Like, this is a change. Like, it's expected as a head of growth that you could interact with a UX person, a front-end developer, a back-end developer. Like, it's part of the job. You, you have to be able maybe not to have a, a deep level of knowledge of all of those areas, I certainly don't, but a surface level knowledge such that you could like kind of pull everything together. Um, so yeah, that, that, was our, that was our insight and it you know, it's worked out more or less. The, the conference was certainly successful. Um, and it's really been my entire career, uh, this, this notion of growth. So you brought that all together and big part of that is grow.co, we'll start with that. What is it now? How has it evolved? Because a decade ago, it was maybe, hey, this is a new title. This is a new community. We need new content. We need a new event. We need a new identity. We maybe even need some cool t-shirts, right? Later on, growth is marketing. Marketing is growth. They're interchangeable. How has that evolved? Yeah, well, so we were ahead of the curve. And now to some extent, we're kind of behind the curve. Like, I, I publish a weekly newsletter. I enjoy doing it. Uh, we have a jobs board. We post jobs there, although it's broken at the moment. I've been meaning to fix it. Um, and we have this big, uh, we, we have this big annual conference um, in Las Vegas. Uh, but, you know, now it's this notion of growth is not only ubiquitous, but also doesn't even necessarily mean the same thing to all people. To me, it's this cross-functional team, like this cross-functional skill set, um, as I defined. To some people, they you know just do a part. They, they do performance marketing or paid marketing, and they say, yeah, I'm a growth manager, that's my job. So it's it sort of become um, a little unclear, frankly, what, uh, what, what, it, what we're really all talking about. Everybody's, I think, means different things. Um, and you've also seen like growth hacker, it's kind of mm -hmm. like, not cool like it's like not anymore no. yeah it's oh, it was cool for a minute but like it's kind of like sort of like the junior varsity level of saying that you're the head of growth um so you don't see too many people out there saying yeah, yeah I, I do growth hacking um but uh but yeah no it's crazy i mean you, you see now the i was reading some article on linkedin of, you know new new uh, titles in the c-suite and there's chief growth officers and there's lots of chief growth officers. Like that's, yeah. that's completely new in the last couple of years. That is true. And you know, you look at another anniversary, one is nearly a decade of grow.co, but I was looking at, Hey, we're going to hear about it all throughout the month because it was a year ago. We saw Apple's privacy changes, performance marketing got a ton tougher and no wonder it's still referred to in the popular press. I remember it, Apple Armageddon. Where were you when you heard the news, Adam? It's one of those moments in life, you know, it's a milestone, it's a seismic shift. And it's like, yeah, I remember when I heard the news, I was doing X. What were you doing? Yeah, well, so, I, you know, my day job, I've been running a performance marketing agency called Thesis. So I was running campaigns, spending tens of millions of dollars a month, if not more, on these platforms, um, just going, going about my day. And you started to hear some of the announcements well before anything actually came to fruition. And I said, hey, ooh, this could be kind of problematic. Like I thought that lookalike audiences wouldn't really work anymore by definition. I thought that tracking would get a lot harder 
but I definitely did not anticipate how detrimental the changes would be to the actual ability for the platforms to deliver customers. Like Facebook is inherently less effective because of this change and that impacts my agency and my my clients. But yeah, I, I fully agree that it is the, the two biggest changes in my career that impacted the, the growth ecosystem or performance marketing ecosystem, if you prefer that parlance, are one, ATT, uh, iOS 14.5, and two, when the iPhone app store opened. Like those two things were wow. hugely consequential. And I, like they're the biggest things that I have experienced in my, in my um, personal career to, to, this, to this space. So yeah, it's been like, to some extent, like cataclysmic for some businesses. Um, uh, and you know, the, the impact felt at the like Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok level, which is where you hear earnings calls, you know, you, you hear people, um, you, you see articles written about what they're saying and how it's impacting their business. That is massive in terms of absolute dollars, but in terms of impact, the small businesses are actually the ones that are getting crushed in some cases by these changes. Like Facebook can weather this, you know, Snapchat could weather this. There are some companies that I talk to that like just don't function now. Like they don't, the math no longer works um, because of this change. Uh, and I understand like, you know, the, 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 the ATT changes are not, I don't think they're inherently good or bad. Like I, Apple has a point of view about privacy and they wanted to enforce that, which is fair enough. But, um, but yeah, no, I've, I felt, I feel it every day. And I talk to financial analysts a lot, as you would imagine. And these guys are like, what is going on? Like, we did not, you know, we knew it would be bad, but like, man, this is a lot worse than we expected. So who are you talking yeah. to, Adam? I mean, are those, are those the ad tech players that don't have first party data? Or are these the marketers who said, oh no, can't use Facebook. And that was all I could figure out. Now I'm stuck. Well, so the, 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 yeah, the, the people that I'm talking to that, that yeah. just given the nature of my job are, are people on the buy side. So they're marketers okay. saying, Hey, sure. wait a minute. I used to run a business. I used to put 70% of spend into Facebook. And at the end of the day, I was pretty happy with the results. Now I'm not even sure if I can continue to advertise on the platform at all. And so dollars are fleeing to any alternative channel, especially influencer marketing, TV yeah. and connected TV, a few other TikTok. spots, um, TikTok, TikTok certainly. Yep. Um, but like yeah. jumping off the ship as fast as possible to, to diversify spend. But, but the trick is a lot of those platforms are also impacted by the ATT changes. You know, t TikTok is subject to the same restrictions that um, Facebook is, practically speaking. So um, uh, it's it's not like there's some panacea solution to just switch budgets in another direction and things are magically better. Um, but yeah, that's that's most of my day. I I probably talk to thirty to fifty advertisers a month, and the vast majority of them are saying, "Hey, you know, the last six months our numbers are." bad. We need to fix this problem. Um, that's, that's why they might want to talk to somebody like me. But also another change or how they're trying to approach this differently is focus 
more on product. I'm hearing that everywhere. Product is new marketing. You have to work on the product. It has to have the hook. Has to be habit forming. Product has to work. Retention, another big one. Talking about retention. You have reforge, calling retention part of the growth engine. Everyone is getting on to that as a way to not have a workaround, but have a different focus, something else to excel at. And one of the biggest uh, why I brought you actually on. One of the reasons, Adam, I brought you on was because I'm reading Getting Ready for Mao, and it says it's the biggest show in the industry, the world's leading mobile acquisition and retention summit. So it has arrived. What's the change? Do you think that this is the, yeah, let me rephrase that. Yeah, so. Let's, I'll rephrase it. Okay, 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 go for it. What's the change oh, hold on. and Ten why seconds, the addition? Ten seconds, please. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Thank you. Okay. In fact, I'll start the question over again so it's not so long. So you get longer to Excellent. answer, Adam. <laughs> so we're talking about massive changes in the market. And one change is also a bigger focus, a sharper focus on product and retention. Product is the new marketing. You have to get the product right. Retention. Retention, very big. Reforge calling it part of the growth engine. And then we have your organization calling itself the world's leading mobile acquisition, which it always was, and retention summit. Why the change? Well, so actually, to be fair, I've always said that we're focused on retention. I've always used that tagline. And that's, that's, but that's notable because um, if you think about performance marketing specifically, where you're spending on paid channels, it's really an exercise in payback. So you invest a dollar, how long does it take you to recoup that dollar after all of the costs involved? And then uh, the relationship between the customer's value and the initial upfront cost. Uh, you'll, you'll hear LTV to CAC referenced a lot. That's, that's, a, that's relevant in any business. What's the cost to acquire a customer? How much revenue do you derive over the lifetime of that customer? So even just the idea that you could work on acquisition in isolation of the extent to which customers retain and how good your product is, is like dumb. Like it doesn't make any sense because they're both inputs. There's a cost and there's a value. Well, you gotta work on both sides of it. There is a fixation in performance marketing with acquisition specifically. A, a massive amount of attention paid to that area relative to these other areas. And, and I honestly think that part of the reason is, uh, at least historically, just sort of like organizational design. So like the growth team decides what the budgets are and what the creatives are, and that's the main thing that they can influence. And so that's where they spend most of their attention and time. And the product team is in charge of the actual experience and the CRM team decides what emails and push notifications to send and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. So you go to conferences like MAU and the vast majority of the sessions are about acquisition because yeah, the growth team managers can influence the product, they can influence the CRM tactics, but it's usually not their sole responsibility. Their, their sole responsibility is on the acquisition side of the equation. So um, that's always been the nature of our industry. And I think, you know, today, the cost to acquire customers are increasing so materially that you basically are just looking at the other side of the equation, the value side, to say, hey, okay, 
can I increase my allowable CAC, the cost to acquire a customer, by 50%? Because then I can still play on the acquisition side. But if I can't in increase my allowable, I can't really play in a lot of these channels and tactics anymore. So you like, you need to get more customer value now to even stay in the Facebook auction in, in some of these um, in some of these verticals. So yeah, that 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 is you're without a doubt. Reforge is great. I know Brian, like their content is amazing. Like they've made it a big focus and as our as and it's extremely reflective of the actual industry. Um, uh, and so I always wanted I always wanted the conference to reflect that. And like for instance, at Living Social um, which was my last in-house job, we had a referral program that constituted like 40 to 50% of new customers acquired through a homegrown referral program. Like well, I have a client today uh, who has a similar split of their new acquisition is, is via their referral program. They spend millions of dollars a month on media and yet still it's so large. So like it's possible to um, build businesses with these other hooks for acquisition uh, and in a world in which you could just build a game, slam it into the app store, buy really cheap traffic, be super profitable, you know, maybe you didn't care that much about day 30 retention. Maybe you really, really care that much if the product was perfect. But in a world in which you have to have CLV greater than $2 to have a chance of being profitable on any of that traffic, like it makes sense that it's a bigger area of, um, of focus. So yeah, I, I, think, I think you're spot on 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 the industry trend. And if you take a time machine back four or five years ago, 99% of our mobile ecosystem would be focused on acquisition and everything else is like an afterthought. Um, that's very much no longer the case. And that's why it is, as you stated, you know, it was always at the core of the event, but now it's front and center leading mobile acquisition and retention summit. And by way of background, we'll be talking about it more, but I just want to make certain I get this in. It is Mal. It's in Las Vegas and it's from June 6 to June 8. Now Mal's making a bold, brave return to Las Vegas because there were no events, right? That's why we're all waiting for this one. And I can't wait to attend myself. And the focus is on what I think marketers crave. We haven't had it for a while. Networking opportunities, I'm quoting here from the website, two full days of substantive learning and the opportunity to build relationships in an environment like no other. Big promise. What can they expect there, madam? So, you know, on the, uh, on the content side, I've always structured the event such that um, someone who's a real practitioner who's in the industry would actually benefit from the stuff presented. And usually that means the content is much narrower in focus and far more tactical. So for, for example, one could give a presentation about why mobile is the future and you have to enable mobile commerce for your customers. And you could give a whole thoughtful presentation for 20 or 30 minutes and basically say nothing as if anyone in the room has a clue. I find that sort of stuff absolutely detestable. So instead, when I go to a speaker, I say, hey, like, what's one thing you actually did and can you share the results? And that's the presentation. That's it. Like, so the agenda is really all over the board because I'm not trying to build certain topics. I don't like feel the need to have a session about block chain gaming or whatever is the flavor of the month. I don't really care. I just think that if you get practitioners to just describe what they did, that 
you know, that they can share because there's always limits to that. It makes it infinitely more useful for everybody there. So that's always been my focus on the content side. It's like extremely self-aggrandizing, but like, I just imagine myself being the audience, like what stuff would I be interested in hearing? Like, that's it. I don't need, I don't need to talk about why, you know, live streaming might be the future of e-commerce. That doesn't help me. Like, I don't give a shit. But if you have a, a, a thought about how to, uh, you know, configure SK Ad Network to make your tracking more useful, like, okay, like I'm dealing with that right now. That would be interesting. So that's the content side. And then on the networking side, I mean, like any in-person event, I think the primary value is from just meeting other people in the industry, no matter how good the content is, frankly. Um, and so we try to get as many people on the buy side as possible because marketers can learn from other marketers for sure. Um, and having a strong, honestly, having a strong personal network has been like so valuable to me in my own career. So I always like really encourage people to be able to reach out to five or 10 other people at other companies so they could compare experiences. Like that's really useful. Um, but also the vendors or the sell side, like in many respects, Oh, these are the smartest people in the room. They have a really bad rap. Like everybody complains like, oh, the sales guys, they keep emailing me. They're so annoying. Like, I think it's yeah, tough to be on. That you have to say. That yeah, they do. Like they are talking to thousands of customers and seeing this data like in aggregate, whereas most people on the buy side have one silo of, of, of references um, to consider. So like, I understand why in any market there's like some friction between sales and the people being sold to and it can and it can be somewhat annoying at times, but I actually find the vendor content on stage and what these guys say in their booths to be as if not more useful than anything else there. So um, so yeah, we structure the event such that there's hopefully a lot of time for, you know, happy hours and dinners and walking around the trade show floor and all that kind of stuff. Cause I, I really do believe that is that's the primary value you could get out of any in-person event, really. Um, but but we also do do our best. It's really my job to have an interesting set of speakers, and a lot of people engage with the with the content after the fact. Actually, like more people watch the recordings of the sessions than are physically in the room. So um, I kind of view it like a almost like a live taping um, to some extent. In in addition to actually being like a a, a live conference. So you watch the trends. What's the coolest thing you're looking forward to personally? Hmm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of an obvious one, but SK Ad Network is extremely difficult to work with. Like it makes our job in the industry infinitely more difficult just to do the most basic things that we were accustomed to doing. And so, I am most interested in anyone's creative solutions to that core challenge because I deal with it for our clients every day of the week. I was on calls last week between an MMP, Google and Facebook, trying to make sense of numbers reported in App Store Connect versus the MMP versus the platform. I mean, it's just crazy. And in theory, like I'm an industry expert and I'm like begging these people for answers I don't have. So uh, it's 
it's it's kind of fundamental but like that's what i'm most interested in because that is so problematic in what i am dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis and i'll add like there's a lot more um uh, focus on TikTok. there's a lot more focus on uh tv but like linear tv ott ctv like i think that's cool that's a that's an interesting growth area for um, mobile app acquisition so I, i'm always into that but uh but yeah it's just like coming to terms with like making sk ad network actually work um with you as opposed to against you is what i'm still struggling to figure out and that's what i i feel like i could learn the most from and on all those slack communities you mentioned i'm in all of them and i'm asking questions about sk ad network <laughs> stuff all the time so i can attest to their value um for it's sure keep us busy for quite a while to come and yeah. you know you founded grow.co you sold the company that has the event but you still mm -hmm. shape the content you still educate the industry you're still asking questions in slack you are a part of this adam what kind of content do they appreciate where do you see the gaps what aren't marketers getting you know um it's an interesting question like it was really hard to get any meaningful benchmarking of anything a couple of years ago really difficult i think a couple of companies, particularly the MMPs like AppSlyer and Adjust, uh, have done a really great job of providing benchmarking around um, platforms for acquisition or channels. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, I saw a report from Liftoff the other day, Liftoff and Bungle, around performance of different types of creative formats, which I thought was really useful. So I think that, um, to their credit, a lot of these vendors have started to fill in the gap of like, what is good and what is bad because because again if you're, if you're internal to a company like it's hard to know for example this morning i was talking to one of our clients about their click to install rate so what percentage of people that click actually install mm -hmm. and he was like it's 22 percent. is that good is that bad and i was like i'm not sure honestly like no one i i, I don't know like we gotta well, let, let me go look let me compare to our other stuff so exactly. um look, i think i think yeah, exactly. That that stuff is really valuable. There's starting to be more of it, um, but there's still a big need for that. A few years ago, the challenge was in identifying the solution providers themselves. Like literally, who are the MMPs? What do they do? And should I work with them? That was like the big question to answer because you just like needed to figure out how to make sense of this. I feel like the industry has matured tremendously and it's pretty clear who's there and what they do and what roles they serve. Um, so that's not as much of a focus of the conference as it used to be of just like facilitating connections. Like everybody's got an MMP, you know, everybody's doing a lot of the things that you ought to be doing. Um, and it's more about like, how do you make sure that you're doing it well? How are you doing it relative to peers? That that's I think um, where things where things have evolved to. Because like I, I would go to my own conference a couple of years ago, see sponsors that I would had never heard of, ask them what they did, and been like, oh great, like what a useful solution. Like I've never heard of this, and I'm the event organizer. Like literally, um, that's not the case anymore. Like pretty much everybody in the room knows who everybody in the room is. Um, which is just kind of a natural maturation of our mm -hmm. space and also a function of consolidation because there's, as you know, tremendous consolidation, uh, particularly on the on the vendor side, too. Mm -hmm. Well, you sold that company, recently sold Thesis Testing, a provider mm -hmm. of conversion rate optimization and digital marketing services. 
So again, another company, and it's dedicated to growth, accelerating growth, which is what we would expect from you. Uh, you certainly can pick them. What's now? What's next? Well, <laughs> you cherry picked the two things that worked and you left out all the things that didn't work. So it's maybe not a representative well, were very um, close sample to set. Each other, so you're looking like you're on a roll here. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, well, theoretically. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm, I'm an owner of like a, an SEO, like lead gen ratings review site, which is also kind of in growth. Like I, I stumbled into this field and I was very fortunate to stumble into it when I did, because it was just sort of becoming a thing. Um, I stumbled into an incredible job that put me in an amazing position. So like most of the success that you're describing is like a function of luck, I think primarily, and like just being in the right place, right time. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is all I know. Like <laughs> I just I just know stuff about referral programs and multi-touch attribution and you know, whatever. And I've always, um, I think because of this newsletter I write, I read like, tons of articles. Like I, I just kind of enjoy being in the industry, Pro probably not this much to you. Um, mm -hmm. So at the moment, I, I'm kind of just planning to like, keep doing it for fun, I guess. Um, back just yet. You're just gonna, gonna shape yeah. it the sidelines. I, I don't honestly, I don't know. But I can tell you, um, building an agency business, any any type of services business is a real battle. So that was a that was a real struggle. And we're growing and we're now part of a bigger group and we're supposed to triple in the next couple of years. So, you know, the battle continues. Um, but yeah, I learned a tremendous amount, uh, not about growth, but just about small business really. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, we'll see whether I choose to try to try to replicate that success or not, but I think I'm always going to kind of stay in this space. Cause I, I just find it interesting. Like, I'm always curious. Yeah, it's just what I know. Like it's just it's just comfortable. Like why does the Facebook number not match the Google number? I've probably been asked that question thousands of times in my life and I'm still answering it because it's always changing. I don't know. Like we got to look at it, you know? So it, it's kind of never ending. What also is never ending is what you're doing, you know. You are in the industry as we said, you know, watching it, shaping it, commenting on it. I want to close with a little bit of advice for our inner entrepreneur, right? Because you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, there's a blue ocean, there's a white space. Um, what would you like to share that you can share to us when we're looking at it and saying, hmm, where's the gap? What can we fill? There's, where's the problem? Where's the itch? That's interesting. Um, you know, I, my, my only words of advice are with everything we've ever done, I've ever done, I've kind of just like dipped a toe in before committing to it fully. Like as we speak, I have five or 10 random ideas, some of which are probably really stupid and maybe one of which is decent that I'm at least like sort of in theory experimenting with. So between us and your listeners, most of the times that I do sales pitches in the context of my agency job, I will invent something that we don't actually offer or do as though we do it just to see what people say. And then if we did, you know, like, oh, okay, maybe that's a thing. So I'm constantly, cool. I'm constantly doing that. Um, really in every opportunity I get, uh, that's so, so that's just how I think about things. Like you don't, you don't have to go all in on any of this stuff. You know, you can, yeah. you can start in a really, really modest way, particularly with like services work. Cause you know, you got time, you, you got a skill set. bang, you're an entrepreneur at that point. Um, the other thing I would add is like, I have benefited tremendously 
from that um, personal branding, networking that we've been talking about, like knowing people that I met through conferences and staying in touch with them, writing my newsletter, posting on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. like all of the success that the agency had and the conference had was at least some, largely a function of like that effort. And so I always implore people to like take the time and speak at the conference, write the blog post, be interviewed by you in a thing, like whatever, because it's proven to be so, so, so valuable for me. And it's like a launch pad to then go do stuff. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that, that's, that's the biggest thing that I, I always implore people to do because it's very tempting to just be like, I'm heads down, I'm head of growth at this company, I've been here for seven years, like nobody in the broader industry knows you, like, knows you. Yes. you know, and you're super smart and know a lot of stuff, but like, it's not going to be easy for you to take steps in other directions because you, you're not even going to have anyone to talk to when you want to start. So I, that that is something that I, I encourage um, for everyone because it's, it's just been so valuable to me. Great advice. And what I would expect, no BS, the real deal here, Adam. Just in closing, you said it yourself, people should contribute. How would they contribute? How would they stay in touch with you, but also contribute to your newsletter? Because if it's not, if it's practical, if it's not BS, there's a very good chance you're going to publish it. 100%. I did it this morning. I'm desperate for articles to include in this thing. Okay. Um, B2B marketing is like, it's just, most of it's abysmal. Um, so uh, we have the newsletter, grow.co. I'm really active on LinkedIn. I post there all the time. Um, and my email's adam at grow.co. Anybody writes anything, throw up on, a, on Medium, on some WordPress site, whatever, like I'll, I'll include it. Um, I also include articles from, you know, like the quote unquote major publications like like VentureBeat and Ad Exchanger and TechCrunch when, when, they're, mm -hmm. when they're out there. And there are a few writers, yourself included, who like actually do a good job of covering this industry, but like a few, emphasis on a few. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm like, I, I'm extremely reachable um, and I'm always, always looking for stuff and, and same goes for the in-person events. Like I just ask for speakers and people who want to speak, just email me. That's it. It's nothing more formal well, than that. Full disclosure, it is going to make my year. I have always said I have to get them out and this year, absolutely without question i've already booked everything i am ready to roll you awesome. know this train is moving so it was great <laughs> to have you great to talk with you because when i saw what you were doing or what the show was doing i thought you know we are at one of those tipping points maybe not quite a tipping point but certainly a lot going on a lot going on with you adam as well thanks for sharing thanks for being on my show today my pleasure and of course, if you want to keep up with me throughout the week, find out more about how you can be a guest or sponsor, social media, LinkedIn, always. But if you want to be safe, just email me at mobilegroove.com. That's where you can find my portfolio of content marketing and app marketing services. You can always check out this and all earlier episodes of our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Speaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Don't forget the video, tons of shorts, major pieces of, I'd call it, Thought grenades from Adam, perhaps, powered by the groove on YouTube. So until next time, remember, every minute is mobile. Let's make every minute count. Keep well, and we'll see you soon.